And welcome to Generations. Kevin Swanson with you as well, Bill Jack from Worldview Academy. And today I want to take a look at this article from Wayne Grudem. Believe it or not, an op-ed posted on Newsweek.com just a week or so ago. It's uh, regarding an encouragement to former President Donald Trump to drop out of the 2024 presidential uh, Republican nomination. And uh, it's interesting for a lot of reasons. One is that Wayne Grudem is a fairly conservative theologian. I would say generally respected by reformed, conservative, yeah. Baptists, charismatics. His, his systematic theology is pretty standard. Yeah, it's a standard. Yeah. It's it's around it's a, the world. Yeah. It's a work that, that is often uh, held up and yep. referred to. And so Wayne Grudem has got a mouthpiece for Newsweek.com. And I wouldn't say Newsweek.com is a conservative outlet. Okay. Okay. Let's just jump into it. Yeah. I think he got used. Well, it's possible. I think he got, I think That's he got possible. played. It's possible. I mean, because Largely Newsweek because- is going, okay, we've got a conservative. We've got a respected theologian uh-huh. who said he's voted for Trump twice. Now he's saying we need to dump Trump. Okay. That's that's what he's saying. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's basically that's what he's saying. saying. Uh-huh. And yeah, so Newsweek is uh-huh. going to say, this is going to influence. Mm-hmm. All of those conservative voters who who are Trumpites. That, that's what Newsweek is thinking. Sure. Uh, so I, th- but, I, th- I think you get played. But let's uh, let's take a look at the article I, briefly, Bill. I don't want to spend the whole program on this. I want to get to some analysis of the other candidates in the race. Uh, but what we're looking at here is a critique. On the one hand, he does uh, mention that Trump accomplished a remarkable number of good things for America. Spent four paragraphs on that. And then he goes on to seven problems with the candidate for the 2024 election coming up. So your thoughts. I mean, you've looked over it a bit. Yeah. Any, any thoughts yeah. on Grudem's treatment of Trump? Uh, there's There's nothing new here that we haven't heard before. We didn't. We heard these same things in the last round. Okay, mm-hmm. um, refusing to admit he lost the twenty twenty election. Well, there are a lot of people who refuse to admit that Trump lost. Roughly sixty two percent of Republicans, exactly. or something like that. So yes, not as if he's the only one that suspects that there yeah. was some foul play involved. Right, and and they're they're mad enough to 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 get involved in politics now mm-hmm. to see that the the republic is is restored. And then integrity, election integrity is is brought to the forefront. Reck, recklessly co- refusing to call off protesters and the demonstration turned violent on January sixth. I, I don't think I don't think that's a reason. I don't think that's that's true. I mean, Trump never has been convicted of of insurrection. Okay. Mm-hmm. In fact, he encouraged them to be lawful. And yes, and stay peaceful. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah, that's yeah. that's mm-hmm. a that's a red herring. Yeah. And losing a Republican control of the Senate by by endorsing weak weak candidates in several states. Okay, so so he That's he, debatable. Yeah, I that's suppose. debatable. And mm-hmm. he maybe he put his money on the wrong horse. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh and legal problems. Well, why do you think he has legal problems? Because people don't like him. That's because one. the Democrats are trying to keep him off the ticket. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's the bottom line. As they just did in the state of Colorado. Yes, they just mm-hmm. did in the state of Colorado, which is absurd what happened here. I mean, there there is no rule of law, and then his age. Well, why isn't uh, 
why isn't Gruden talking about why didn't, why Joe didn't, Biden? Why didn't why, why is what's his name? Um, yeah. my, I'm forgetting yeah. right yeah. now. Yeah. Who yeah. He you was, know, but, you know uh, the thing. You yeah, know yeah, the yeah. thing. Yeah, the thing. All right, the thing. <laughs> <laughs> and then here's the one. Here's the one I want to center on, and that's Trump fatigue. Mm-hmm. He said, "Here I speak personally as a lifelong Republican, one who will support any Republican candidate because the policies supported by Republicans are more consistent with the overall teachings of the Bible." regarding governments and laws than the policies of the Democrats, in my opinion. Okay. I, I so think that's so a good. great, that's a mm-hmm. sound statement, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. And it's about time that we, we, we hear that from pulpits, basically. And basically, we, we encourage pew sitters to investigate the, the, the platforms of both parties and say, now let's examine them in light of what Scripture says and you decide. So that's, a, that, that's refreshing. Mm-hmm. Quite honestly, the thought of having to defend Trump again and again for another year produces in me a great feeling of weariness. Do not grow weary in doing well, Wayne. Mm-hmm. You're in the fight. This is a fight for liberty. Do not grow weary. That's my. That's my. That's that's the bottom line. Mm-hmm. This is the best time to be alive. This is the fight of our lives. We are here for such a time as this. Do not grow weary in doing well. Fight for liberty. You're not fighting for Trump. You're fighting for the Republican platform that has more of a biblical worldview than does the Democrat platform, certainly, mm-hmm. on all kinds of Sometimes issues. Sometimes, depending on the candidate. But let's talk more about the upcoming election. People have asked me, well, what about the other candidates, their worldview, etc.? Yes. So let's yeah. talk about that uh, next on Generation. Stay with us. Hello, my friends. For the last 15 years, the Generations team has produced a Christian curriculum specifically for families who want to give their children a God-centered, Bible-saturated, biblical worldview-based education. Our commitment is to restore the Christian faith, generational faith in an age where we are losing faith in this country and almost anywhere around the world where Christian children attend secular schools or use secular curriculum and imbibe secular culture. Now, we're not relying on the pre-Christian Greeks for an educational model here. We're not relying on the post-Christian secularists for the education model either. Our curriculum is based in a biblical worldview. We put hundreds of Bible verses in the history books and integrate the truths into the subjects. We want to glorify God on every page of the science books. We immediately integrate knowledge into life application and natural revelation with special revelation. We keep Christ at the very center of the history books with preparing the world for Jesus and taking the world for Jesus. I believe God is calling this generation in this highly secularized age to a radical change in how they disciple their children. Please check out our program for education of your children and grandchildren at www.generations.org. And we are back on Generations. And friends, as we talk about politics, uh, wow, put not your trust in princes and horses, right? Or Republicans, for that matter. <laughs> That's right. I just, if there's yeah. any principle that applies right now, uh, you can put your money on a horse, Bill, but uh, you can't believe that the horse is going to finish the race. Yeah, That's one of the problems. What, what, about. what does Scripture say? Uh-huh. It, the Scripture says that the horse is prepared for war, uh-huh. but the battle belongs to, to the, the Lord. Lord. Exactly. And exactly. and we we fight in these 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 battles be it politics or be it in 
in other arenas, but we put our trust and our hope not in our efforts, but in God's word mm-hmm. and the reality that he is, number one, holy, and number two, that he is sovereign, mm-hmm. that he is in control. We are but his servants. And there are some leaders better than others in history. And I have some of my favorite uh, political leaders sure. in all of human history. But I would say that uh, these days, Bill, you can't count on Republicans very much. No, you can't. Uh, the personal integrity level, the consistency to principle, rather low. Remember where these people go to church. I mean, the problem is the churches, right? Yes. And as long as the churches remain unprincipled and uh, disattached, or detached from the word of God, as long as the churches are not uh, maintaining integrity, and I'm talking about people attending churches or not attending churches uh, that are, you know, your average liberal Presbyterian church or Episcopal church. You think of Gorsuch, who's attended some of the most liberal churches in, I believe, the Episcopalian uh, brand for a very, very long time. As long as the Roman Catholic Pope is squishy on homosexuality, what's going to happen to, what, the seven or eight Supreme Court justices that align themselves with the Roman Catholic Church? So, as I see it, we're not going to see much progress, Bill, in Washington until we see some progress in the churches. Now, Donald Trump, I think, tipped his hat towards the evangelicals, appointed three decent Supreme Court justices, the jury is still out, no pun intended, on how this particular set of justices will operate. I would say they did the wrong thing on three to four recent decisions, critical decisions. Correct. And we'll see how they work out over the uh, future. Now, I, I still hold to the fact that Donald Trump was basically a wrecking ball in the economy uh, since I, he was elected in 2016. I would agree. Um, and uh, but but one thing as I said at the 2016 election is if you want to have a fire sale on a nation, the best thing to do is put a businessman in charge who's already been through three to four bankruptcies himself. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think I still hold to that position. Just somebody who's you know good with fire sales. Yeah. Uh, so I, I still take that position. Um, the Dobbs decision that comes out of the Supreme Court uh, realignment, uh, I think, was merely an opportunity. Um, and it was a turning over the decision of killing babies to the legislatures and to referendums. Um, and Americans are voting pro-abortion. So that's where we are right now. Now, what do we do for the 2024 election? Uh, a lot of folks are asking the question. And, uh, well, that's as I see it. Most important thing is to come back again and again to Exodus 18. So choose from among yourselves. Men who fear God. Now, first of all, that would disqualify one candidate yeah. as a woman. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, but as a woman. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, if you're using Exodus 18, but more important than that, okay, more fundamental than that is what, Bill? That the candidate fears, fears God. God. And that is the, that is so, the prime litmus now, test. That's a judgment call, too, because you know everybody's got to make the decision. Uh, there's been points at which I thought ta- Donald Trump was tipping towards the fear of God. Right. Now, I do believe that Trump fears Trump. <laughs> Trump yeah. lives in the fear of Trump. <laughs> okay. Uh, but, but the question as to whether Trump fears God 
and whether these other candidates, Ron DeSantis and others, fear God is an important question. I do believe that's fundamental right. as you enter the voting booth. Okay, so we'll start with that. We'll start with principle. Any other thoughts on Donald Trump? Anything else you want to throw out? Because I'm going to move on to Ron DeSantis. And again, we, we, we're, we're confusing. Too often, I think we confuse that we're voting for a, you know, a, a pastor no, as opposed not, to yeah, a right, politician. Right, 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 and, right. And, all we're talking know, about is the basic fear of God. Yes, not, we're not talking about whether or not they align with all of your doctrinal perspectives. Right. Uh, you know, you're, you're just asking the blunt question, is there any fear of God before his eyes? I yeah. think that's, that's basic. I think that's basic. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I think of Nebuchadnezzar, you know, I think of how God used him. And there's a point at you which know, he started fearing God. Yeah, and he did start fearing <laughs> exactly. God. Okay. After after about yeah. you know, a couple of years in the back 40. Seven years you know, in the yeah. back 40, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, raising on some grass. Yep, yep. Yeah. Just amazing what that does to you. Yeah. And who knows, maybe that's happened to Donald Trump. But, you know, yeah. we, we can pray for uh, for that, some humility and some fear of God. Okay, uh, let's move on to Governor Ron DeSantis. Now, it's interesting. I, I, I didn't know this, but this is a data point. Governor Ron DeSantis recently announced another paydown of $400 million of the state's debt through the debt reduction program that he's taken off $5 billion in state debt. Uh, but that wasn't just him. Keep this in mind. That started in 2012 with the other Bush. Help me out. Uh, Jeb. Jeb Bush. Jeb Bush started this out in 2012, brought the debt down from 150 to $120 billion. That's That's pretty interesting and I think important yeah. that there's actually been a good trajectory on an economy in the United States of America. Actually, that's sort of hopeful that you know, somebody's done something right. Yeah. Uh, so that's one data point. So we have actually some some sensible economics here. Ron DeSantis appears to be pro-life. I, 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 I would say Ron DeSantis is probably an incrementalist. Right. Probably. That's where most politicians are these days. Uh, he signed the six-week abortion ban in 2023, April of this year. And uh, again, I, I think this is probably one of the more gutsy moves against abortion for a major state. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, for a major state, not not for Tennessee or not for Alabama. Talking about Florida. It's yeah. probably a gutsy move. Uh, and uh, Donald Trump has criticized Governor DeSantis for that, which is a little odd because that it, is it was odd. a state move. It wasn't it wasn't a federal law. So there's a, something of a debate between the candidates on whether to incorporate some of these limitations at the federal level. Uh, but some of them actually are advocating we push it down into states. And I, I'm not sure that uh, Donald Trump is in favor of that right now, but we'll see. Also, in June of 2021, DeSantis led an effort to ban the teaching of critical race theory in Florida public schools. He signed the Fairness in Women's Sports Act, which banned transgender girls and women from uh, participating and competing in middle school and high school girls college women's sports competitions that is those boys that were attempting to transition or you know faking like they were girls they're not allowed into girls sports or women's sports in um in the state of florida and uh, also uh, this was a big problem uh that he went up against in february of 2022 you may remember this desantis voiced support for the florida parental rights and education act uh, which prohibited discussion of sexual orientation or gender identity in school classrooms from kindergarten to third grade, which is kind of sad because apparently they can do it from fourth grade onwards. So it was 
But whatever the case, that uh, that got a lot of people pretty upset. DeSantis was also the only major leader in the country that I know that took a stand against Disney, partially because Disney was in his backyard, so that that's part of it. But uh, there was another pastor out on the eastern plains of Colorado that was rattling the cage over that for 15 <laughs> years uh, with, a, you know, nothing but pushback, persecution and failure as a consequence, uh, you know. But to have a major candidate like DeSantis stand up against Disney was somewhat gratifying to me, Bill. Yes. I mean, as just, just as an, not just a candidate, but as a governor. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and then he came up with a unique idea that uh, he said that Donald Trump said he would make Mexico pay for the wall, the border wall. But he said, I'll do it. And here's how I'll do it. He said, there are billions of dollars that are transferred from workers here in the United States back to families in Mexico. We'll just put a fee on that transfer and we'll use that fee oh, to build a wall. Creative. I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> it's a creative solution, I guess. Um, DeSantis also says he'll support a federal abortion ban, but now he's adjusted it to a 15 week abortion ban, which is interesting. So here's one of the points I want to make. If the federal government's job is to disallow wanton murder in a country and to guarantee the right to life, liberty and property. So, okay. If the federal government would shut down a state for incorporating slavery, let's say that, now, the question is, should should the federal conservative revert abortion issues to states as well as slavery issues to states or as a federal government that has established itself as a government to guarantee the rights of life, liberty and property? Here's my question. If the federal government would shut down a state for slavery, why shouldn't our candidates running for Republican nomination for the highest office in this country also shut down a state for allowing the crime of murder. Do you understand what I'm saying here? I understand exactly what you're saying, and I think that's where we're headed if the federal government does not step in on this issue. You cannot kick this issue back to the states. It would be equivalent to kicking slavery back to the states. Same thing, right. Same thing. Right. And you cannot have a country divided. Mm -hmm. That is a country that is divided to the point where you are going to end up with a civil war. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Good point. All right. To take a look at Vivek Ramaswamy, uh, he would not support a federal abortion ban. He's okay with the state doing the ban. So it's exactly the point that I was making Mm -hmm. in the previous comments. Uh, So he also has all kinds of exceptions on abortion, including the very nebulous health of the mother exception. So keep that in mind, you know, how do you interpret health of the mother versus life of the mother? So he includes right. that. And of course that can be interpreted to be just about anything. Psychological health, emotional. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. He's also okay or unclear on the FDA approval of the kill pill, which uh, means he's, I think a zero on abortion. I, I, as far as I can tell, he's pretty much, that's not his issue. Just not his issue. Yeah. Uh, he wants to significantly increase inheritance taxation to 59%, which is one of the worst possible forms of taxation. Oh, terrible. I'm not sure why he's so attached to the death tax, but this is big for him. And property taxation, inheritance taxation, as I see it, argued from a biblical perspective, is probably the most onerous forms. So he's certainly not coming at this economic uh, perspective from – the, the biblical perspective that the family and the family economy is to be protected. His economic agenda is incoherent largely. He certainly is not committed to decreasing taxes or government funding as far as I can tell. He's anti-regulation. At points, he's mentioned a flat tax. 
But what we have here, I think, is an inexperienced, untested, random thinking candidate. He would be an excellent vice presidential candidate for an incoherent, random train wreck of a president as well. <laughs> we just throw that in there. Okay, so Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley, what can we say about the previous governor of South Carolina? She's pretty big on fighting wars. Yeah, um, she's she's uh, not an interventionist. Yeah. I mean, very much an inter- interventionist. Very much. A uh, war-loving military-industrial complex servitor. Neocon. Uh, she has waffled on abortion in her speeches, certainly not wanting to make the campaign a bully pulpit for abortion. I sort of get that. But uh, she she's also vowing to veto big budgets. She wants to cut taxes, cut debt, et cetera. Probably the candidate has come out strongest on some of these economic issues. But in terms of war, let me just, you know, do we do we embrace warmongering as Christians? Of course not. Of course not. Right. The answer is, of course not. Abraham got involved in war, but only to defend his own family. And that is Lot. And this is probably one of the most significant biblical passages that is used it has been used by Christians from Augustine forward. And we effectively want to allow for a defensive warfare, a defensive form of defending hearth and home. So defensive warfare is all right, but the Bible condemns the ag- aggressive imperialistic wars of the nations. And I believe that God has destroyed nations like Babylon for their tendency to embrace murder and aggressive imperialistic forms of, of, of warfare. Uh, God has judged nations for their violence. Joel chapter 3 and verse 2, we read that God gathers all the nations, brings them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat, and will enter into judgment with them. Uh, And the sin that is of most concern to God here in Joel 3, 3, is they have cast lots for my people, have given a boy as a payment for a harlot, and sold a girl for wine that they may drink. The encouragement of drunkenness and sexual sin seems to be one of the problems uh, that brings God's judgment down upon nations. Isaiah chapter 10, speaking of the violence of Assyria, Assyria being probably the most violent, the most aggressive, and the most cruel uh, form of warfare that the world had known to that point. Woe to Assyria, Isaiah 10. His purpose is to destroy to put an end to many nations. Does the axe raise itself above the person who swings it, or the saw boast against the one who uses it as if a rod were to wield the person who lifts it up, or a club brandish the one who is not wood? So here in Isaiah 10, Assyria is condemned for its violence among the nations. Obadiah is a book entirely dedicated to the judgment that God is to bring upon Edom. Why? Why is God judging Edom? God destroys Edom because they've engaged in so much violent warfare against their neighbors. This is why God judges nations, not just for sexual sin, not just as in the case of Sodom and Gomorrah, not just for abortion and the killing of innocent children within the context of one's own nation, but also the kinds of uh, violence that is brought against uh, uh, surrounding nations as well. Isaiah chapter 13 is another key passage speaking of God's judgment against Babylon. Listen to this. God will destroy Babylon, but why? Look, the Lord's day of judging is coming. A terrible day, a day of God's anger. He will destroy the land and the sinners who live in it. Why? Verse 11. The Lord says, I will punish the world for its evil and wicked people for their sins. I will cause proud people to lose their pride, and I will destroy the pride of those who have been cruel to others. Is God concerned about nations today that go to war and engage in cruelty against their neighbors? Absolutely. All right. So we need to be careful how much we get involved 
in, in other wars where it's something beyond defending our own borders, abortion, non-defensive wars, sexual perversion, pride. These are the reasons why God destroys nations. And we need to be careful not to elect proud leaders, pro-abortion leaders, leaders that are warmongers and leaders who will not stand against the sexual perversion of the day. I'm just going to the biblical principle on this bill. Does God destroy nations and could he potentially destroy our nation as well? If we don't repent of our pride, our sexual perversity, our violence that is done within the borders, and that is the killing of innocent children, and involvement in, in wars where we don't belong. Right. I think these are matters of concern as we enter the voting booth in 2024. Hopefully this has been helpful to you, friends, as we bring biblical principle to bear in our current context. Well, friends, if you have any input on this, I realize politics can get people excited and sometimes offending one another, but let's be careful about that because sometimes we're dealing with the quarrelsome, the questionable as well. So let's be cautious. Let's try to think principled, try to think balanced, try to think in terms of biblical principle and how it applies in our context. Did you just call me quarrelsome and questionable? Is that what you just called me? (laughs) I'm I'm offended. You and my mother used to say something, Bill. (laughs) My mother used to say, if the shoe fits, wear it. (laughs) You ever heard that? Your mother ever say that to you? My mom also said, I can get glad in the same pants I got mad in. Exactly. (laughs) And and one more thing. Remember what your mother said. Yeah, remember what your mother said. That wraps up this edition of the Generations Broadcast. And again, if you want to interact with us, just simply email me at host at generations.org. This is Kevin Swanson inviting you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation.